Well, I'm so excited to start a new series today, The Wonderful Name of Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, where two or more are gathered in his name, Jesus said, there am I in the midst. He's here today. Whatever you need, he's the one who meets you right where you are and then raises your life up to his level. So let's get in the word and let's talk about this. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. And if you'd open your Bibles and to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I love the book of Genesis because it's the book of beginning. So many times you can see how things are supposed to be by looking at the book of Genesis, the way God created things. The God of heaven has literally ordained you He's appointed you. He has called you to walk in dominion in this earth. If you'll notice in your life everything about you, you get quiet, you get in a storm, and everything about you wants to dominate your circumstances. If you're not dominating them, it frustrates you on the inside because you were born to rule and reign. You were born to subdue. So in Genesis 1.26, it says this, And God said, Let us make man. In the Hebrew language, he would have said, Let us make mankind in our image. That means we resemble God. So if you study the word of God, you'll see that God has back parts and front parts. He has hands, right? He has a face. He, he, we look like him. We were made in his image and after our likeness. I love this because a big part of this Hebrew word is personality. You know, your personality, you got it from your father. That's pretty cool. As long as you don't let that sin nature in your flesh twist it, then that personality's kind of messed up. But oh, if you'll just let the Holy Spirit move it back, man, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it says, and let them have dominion. One of the first things that God said as he created man, and let them have dominion. Now when you know and you read this under the light of New Testament truth, you see that there's power in God's word. That God's words are enablements. So when he said, let them have dominion, that empowered them to have dominion on the earth. That word dominion means authority. It literally means the right and the power to rule. It literally means sovereign authority. God has given you authority, and we're going to learn about this. You have been given a, the highest level of authority in the name of Jesus. You have been given the power of attorney to use his name in the earth. And his name is greater than all. His name has within it all authority and all power. If, if it has all authority and all power, then whatever you ever face has no power compared to his power. Because he, he couldn't have used the word all if it wasn't all. Isn't that amazing? Because what comes against you could feel pretty powerful, right? But oh, don't go by your feelings. Because your feelings might show you some facts, but facts are subject to change. But his power and his authority is not subject to change. Amen? It says here, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. I love that part because what does Satan do? He walks to and fro in the earth. That's why this is very specific. It says, and over all the earth. You'd think that'd be enough, but then, then God saw fit to put in there and over everything, every creeping thing. He's a creep, right? So, so we have authority over that. So God told man the guidelines of his authority, the guidelines of his dominion. So this is what Adam and Eve started out with. 
Then in Genesis chapter 2, turn over here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and verse 17 says this. Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. So God planted a garden, the Garden of Eden. It was to increase and cover the whole earth. And God said, every tree of the garden you could freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now that's a little vague because the day Adam and Eve ate from that tree, they did not die physically. So you have to go into the Hebrew language where it says, thou shalt surely die. It, says, it literally reads, in dying thou shalt die. So the moment they violated God's word, God's word is life. Everything apart from God's word is death. This is why God doesn't want you to touch it. Because he doesn't want you to experience death. We call it sin. It's missing the mark. So when they ate that fruit, instantly they died spiritually. Now it took, it took spiritual death 930 years to kill Adam physically. But spiritual death brought on physical death. But at this point... When Adam and Eve ate of that tree, and really it was Adam's sin that is mentioned. When Adam ate of that tree, what he did at that point is he transferred the dominion and authority that God had given him over to Satan. We see in the New Testament where Satan is called the God of this world, small g, God of this world. Adam was to be the God, small g, of this world. God is big G, God of all, everything, right? So Adam and Eve turned this over to Satan. Now in Genesis, go over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Want to lay a foundation because we want you to know the importance of the name of Jesus. In Genesis 3, 6, it says this, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now we're talking about how, I want to I show you how Satan deceived Eve. When she saw that the tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. She saw, see she, she would have to, it have to be the lust of the flesh because if God said don't eat of it, then it's not good, Right? Man was never to know good and evil. Man was only to know good. So, lust of the flesh, you see that. She also saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. So literally, for the first time, she is looking at something for how it will benefit her. We're not created to benefit ourselves. We're not created to be concerned and, and think about ourselves. If you think about yourself too much, that's the road to depression, anxiety, which the door to that is fear. When you count your life so important to you, you're missing it because the love of God, which is life, does not consider itself. When she saw that this tree was desired to make one wise, what is that? The pride of life. This is why the Bible says the lust of the eyes, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father. It is of the world. Those three things, when she saw those three things, she took the fruit thereof and did eat gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And that started this whole mess. Because the Bible said, when Adam sinned, that sin now entered this earth realm, and death entered this earth realm 
because of sin. And after that, you see sickness and disease, you see murder, you see fear, you see self-centeredness, all the law of sin and death working in the earth. So now jump over to Romans chapter 5. So let's talk more about this story from a New Testament perspective. Romans chapter 5 in verse 12. Oh, I'm so excited about this series. This will grow you up when you see that the name of Jesus, what it means, and how that it's yours, you can change everything in your life to line up with what the word says. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. This is how we know what happened. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So now, when you think of death, it's beyond physical death. We're talking spiritual death. Wherefore, as by one man's sin, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and spiritual death by sin, and so spiritual death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. It goes on in verse 17 of Romans chapter 5, and it says this, For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's sin, death reigned, or you could say this, spiritual death had full and superior dominion. See, because of Adam's sin, now everyone would live in spiritual death. Don't you just thoroughly enjoy that sin nature in your flesh? that always wants you to do stupid stuff. No, I can't wait to where I don't have to beat this thing black and blue all day, every day. I can't wait to get a glorified body that has no sin nature in it, right? You think you worship God. See, to worship God in spirit and truth now, you have to make a decision. I'm keeping my flesh under all the time. And will you fail? Oh, yeah. This is, we're all a work in progress. But man, when you grow spiritually, you fail a lot less. And when you do, you jump right back in the right place. But I'll tell you, this, this is a big one. By one man's offense, by Adam's offense, spiritual death reigned. It had full and superior dominion. How did it reign? By the one, by Adam. Adam's sin caused spiritual death to reign on the earth. But then it says here, much more. And in the Greek language, it literally means so much more, you can't even compare it. Much more, they which receive the abundance of grace. What is that? That's the finished work of Jesus. They which receive, that literally, that Greek word receive means they which take hold of and continue in. The abundance of grace, the more than enough supply of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign, that means have full and superior dominion, in life by one Jesus Christ. Now where it says in life, it's not just talking about your physical life. It's talking about in life the word life is the Greek word zoe, which means you will reign in the quality of life that God has. You and I are to reign on a higher level. We have been given the zoe life of God. So we're to reign on that level. And I got to tell you, right now in the church, we're not seeing that a lot. We're seeing glimpses of it. But hold, don't hold your breath. It's, it's here. It's stirring. It, it's, it's, if you can talk to some of the people in our church only of how their, their heart burns to know God in a deeper way, burns for the miraculous. It burns to walk in the life of God. It says if you'll take hold of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, you'll have full and superior dominion as you walk in the Zoe life of God right now on this earth. And everything about your life will show the world Jesus. 
I love that. So then if you jump down to chapter 5, jump down to verse 21, it says, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal zoe, eternal life, eternal life of God. How? By Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is telling you from this passage of Scripture that you are to reign in your life over sin, over death. You're to reign over everything. And you reign how? By Jesus Christ. By Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing. You reign in the anointing. I love that. But... In order to do this, you have to have knowledge and insight into God's purposes and his ways. You know, those of you who are planted here, this is our church family, Faith Family Church. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to reach people and change lives. Well, how do we do that? We do that as we walk In the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God. That's how we do it. We help people find their lives in Christ. See, when you get so full of God, you can't live for yourself anymore. You start thinking, man, who could I invite to church? Who can I tell about Jesus? Right? This is is the way. If you're not living with that passion, what it means is you're just living out of your flesh. and, And you're not experiencing the life of God. So so as we live like this, we'll bear all of our fruit in our season. We'll see men get saved and then come to the knowledge of the truth. Everything we do as a church will be to reach people and to change lives. And we know, we learn around here, everything is about overflow. So I can't teach somebody what I don't know. I can't give them what I don't have. I surely can't take them where I have not been. The mere fact of the mandate on this church, it it stretches me beyond compare. Because if I do not follow my path as a pastor, how in the world could I ever say to you, follow me as I follow Christ? You'll be like, man, I, I just can't, I can't follow. The Lord will have to plant you someplace else where you can follow something and grow. We must have knowledge and insight into God's purposes and his ways. So turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1.28 in the Amplified Version. The Amplified is good from time to time because it gives you great parenthetical definitions which explain Greek words really well. It says here in verse 28 in the Amplified, it says, Him we preach, Jesus Christ... So we preach Jesus Christ. I got to tell you, through the end of the year, we are going to preach Jesus in, in, a, in a way, in a better way than we've ever done it before. And then when we hit 2019, we're going to be more effective at preaching Jesus. Him we preach and proclaim, warning and admonishing. That means warning and then also calling to your attention and instructing everyone in all wisdom. Now it gives this this parenthetical definition of wisdom. Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We must have knowledge and insight of God's ways and purposes if we can understand all of this. Instructing everyone in all wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Why? in order that we might present every person mature, full-grown. Now see, now this is a pastor verse. My, if, if I do my job right, then you'll be put in a position, in an environment where you can grow and become mature, full-grown, fully initiated, which means fully trained, complete and perfect in Christ. Wow. 
That's what we want. So we have to know his purposes and his ways. God desires for you to know his purposes and his ways. Everybody's looking to find their purpose. Your purpose will be found as you find his purpose and understand his ways. Your purpose won't be found looking at yourself. Right? To fulfill God's purposes for your life, you're going to have to have insight into his ways, how he does everything. Well, what, what is one of his ways? Faith. You're going to have to have insight and wisdom in how to walk by faith, what it is, how to release it, how it comes. What's another one? Love. You need to have comprehensive insight and, into the love of God, how much he loves you, which empowers you to love him and to love others. If you don't, you'll just be self-centered. And, and, you, and you'll miss the plan that God has for you. What's another, another way? Being led by the Holy Spirit. It takes courage to be led. you got to understand his purposes. And then what will happen is you'll understand his ways and you'll know how he leads you. So you'll know, man, this is the Holy Spirit. Right? But all of it doesn't work if you got your eyes on yourself. So all this is designed to get you to literally walk free from yourself, from your flesh. Don't worry about exalting yourself. Don't worry about you getting promoted. Let God do that. He'll do a lot better job than you'll ever do. So now you're in Colossians. Now we're going to read verse 25 through verse 27. And I'll just read it out of the King James. Realize this, God fulfills his purposes through his ways. Not your ways, his ways. Amen? What you find as you get to know him is your ways are his ways. You're, you're his child. The only thing that clouds anything is if you're listening to too many wrong voices. But he'll teach you how to listen to the right voices. So verse 25 of Colossians chapter 1, it says this, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. To fulfill the word of God. Now he's going to go on and explain this. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. See, guys, we are living in a time where this, this mystery, which for, for literally hundreds, even thousands of years has been hidden, is now revealed to us. I love that. It says, to whom God would make known what is the riches. It's the Greek word plutos, it means the inexhaustible supply of his riches. The inexhaustible supply of the glory of this mystery. That means this mystery has so much glory in it, it's inexhaustible. So as you learn this mystery, the glory that will come out of you is inexhaustible. Why? What is the mystery? The mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope, the joyous, confident expectation of glory. What kind of glory? An inexhaustible supply. Oh, God wants his glory coming out of you when you go to work, when you get up in the morning, when you deal with your spouse, when you're dealing with your children, your friends at work. He wants you manifesting the glory of God out of you all the time. How do you do it? you got to walk in his ways and purposes. I'll tell you a big part of this is you have to understand and have revelation knowledge of what the name of Jesus means, the greatness of his name, and how to use his name in every arena of your life. Don't toil. 
If you need more money, don't toil. Use the name of Jesus. Don't toil and get all stressed out about your health. Use the name of Jesus. Because it's greater. It has authority to drive sickness out of your body. It has authority to drive poverty and lack out of your life. It has the ability to widen your boundaries to where now all things are possible to you because you believe. Don't take 20 years. Guys, I don't think we have 20 years. I think we might have three or four, maybe. But don't take 20 years to pay off your house. Don't take six years to pay off your car. Use the name of Jesus. Don't take 10 years to pay off student loans. Right? Does that make sense? Don't, don't take years to fix your relationships with your kids. Use the name. Because everything, you blow Satan out of that situation and you bind him and shut him down from working, you'll be amazed at how fast things change. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'll just read this to you out of the Amplified Version. In verse 17 and 18, it gives this parenthetical definition again, comprehensive insight. It says in verse 17, For I always pray, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, Jesus Christ, by having the eyes of your hearts flooded with light. Do you know, did you notice here, it didn't say your mind. You learn the depth of knowledge of Jesus Christ you learn it in your spirit. Now, it'll affect your mind. It'll renew your mind. It'll renovate it, but it starts in your spirit. And, the, and it's by the Holy Spirit, having the eyes of your hearts flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. you got to know that if there's something in your life that is stealing, killing, and destroying, that it is not the will of God for your life. That if you're in fear or anxiety or terror about anything, that is not God's will for your life. He wants you to have comprehensive insight into his ways and purposes. He wants you to know that you have been given the name. Man, I'm telling you, you're gonna see that the name of Jesus, the authority that he had, was greater after his resurrection than even when he was on the earth. Because now he has all authority. It says here, by having the eyes of your hearts flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope which, to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious, glorious inheritance in the saints his set-apart ones, and then it goes on. God desire, he desires so much that his children have insight into the, his mysteries and secrets. He wants to reveal everything. He says, don't be unwise. Understand what my will is. He wants you to know. A lack, and you've heard me say this before, a lack of understanding in an area produces ignorance. Ignorance will produce inactivity. It, it, you'll, you won't, because you don't know, so now you're not stepping out. There's inactivity. You'll sit in the loneliness of your, of your life and the enemy will just throw thought after thought after thought and lie to you and deceive you, all this stuff, and it doesn't have to be this way. A lack of understanding in any area of truth produces ignorance, and ignorance always produces inactivity. Well, everything about being led by the Spirit is about you doing something. Every time, everything about you walking in the blessing of God is you being a doer of the Word. So you got to stay away from ignorance, right? Because if you're inactive, that will always produce ineffective Christian living or a lifestyle. 
you will live far under what God wants you to live. And here's the cool thing. The Holy Spirit is in your life. He's not mad at you today at all. He's looking at you with all the belief that you're going you're gonna to finish your course strong. You're going to do everything that's in your heart. That you're going to be above only and not beneath. That you're always going to be victorious. He is thoroughly convinced and he knows and he's motivated to get you there. But here's the thing. To grow, you have to know. Never forget that. To grow, you got to know. In John chapter 8, in verse 31, I'll just read this to you for time's sake. John 8, 31, said, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And he said, then, because you're continuing in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, if you're, see, but you're only going to continue if you know something. So how do I continue in, my, in, in the word of God? The Holy Spirit helps me do all of this. What is our part? And this is, this is the big thing. It's just being willing and obedient. The greatest endeavor of a believer is to discover and know what has been accomplished in him and all that is available through his identification with Christ. To know what's happened in me when I got saved and to know all that is available now that my life is identified with Jesus. Knowledge of the new covenant makes it possible for a believer to live to their full potential, their full potential of freedom, their full potential of power, their full potential of victory in Christ. Knowledge, and I'm not talking about mental knowledge, I'm talking about revelation knowledge of your heart. So you gotta be hungry. Well, how do I get hungry, pastor? You feed. You feed. If you're witnessing to somebody, if you have people in your life that don't know the Lord yet, encourage them to just start reading their Bible. Because they got a taste to see. So just get them, you know, because a lot of times you'll have people, you'll invite them to church, and then when they see you, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, this happened, that happened. You know, we all have reasons, right? What's so sad is so many Christians have reasons why they only go to church 1.5 times a month. Why is that? Because they do not even know who they are and they don't even know who their God is. They know him this much and they're, and they're living on a level way below and they don't even know it. Well, how are they going to know it? You say you love God, live it before your, before your fellow believers because it'll ignite them. It'll ignite them. Knowledge of the new covenant. Knowledge of what God has done for you. Revelation knowledge of the new covenant, what it does is it moves us into his divine ability. See, in order for me to walk out God's plan for my life, I have to, I have to trust the Holy Spirit to bring revelation knowledge to my heart as I choose to put his word first, as I choose to meditate in it day and night, as I choose to put everything in my life around my personal walk with the Lord, now I'm in a position where he will move me into his ability. Now I'm no longer operating. See, so many people are operating at such a low level. They're operating only on their own ability. You were never created to do anything with your ability. You were to hook your ability up to God's ability. And that, you're not created to do anything by yourself or for yourself. But, but what, what do our colleges do? You get in there, you study, it's all about you, you're going to take a test, and how you do on that test determines what you can do. That's all baloney. 
Because God can open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. And you need to be, if you, I don't care what you are, Ruth, you're a doctor. God doesn't want you to be a doctor based on your own ability. Now, incredible intellect, incredible gifting, which is all from him, but he'll take you beyond that. So important. Yeah, but the world says this. Who cares? Psalm 512 says, his favor crowns me as with a shield. And then you go through the Old Testament and you see all these different stories about how the favor of God, it opened doors that no man can close. It made impossible things happen. You can't come out of a fiery furnace in the natural. Well, I just, there's just, pastor, there's just no way. So you're telling me what's in your heart, there's no way for it to come to pass? That's a lie. If God placed it in your heart and it's a desire, man, there's nothing that can stop it from coming to pass except you. Satan knows that. We must have revelation knowledge of the name of Jesus because you use the name to get stuff out of your life, to bind the enemy, to when, when the enemy comes illegally against your body and all of a sudden you've got this thing, now you're spending time going to doctors, you're taking medicine and you gotta believe now for the medicine to help you and not hurt you and, and this and that. and all. He just, He'll get your whole life consumed with you, but you can use the name to get out of all of it. The name of Jesus, because where his name is, that's where he is. So now let's talk about this a little bit. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Aren't you excited? We just got through the whole preview, intro. <laughs> now we're at step one, okay? Now we're ready to start talking about the name. So look at this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Guys, I got to tell you, I, I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. <laughs> Seriously. I, I just, you get to know him and the anointing, that, and the, the stirring God. He's, he's getting ready to do something real big. Amen. I'm so blessed to be a part of that. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. Let this mind be in you. This is the Bible saying, think this way. Let this mind be in you. Or this, God is saying, I want you to think this way. Which was also in Christ Jesus. So now we're going to get a picture of how Jesus thinks. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Do you know why he didn't think it robbery? Because he was equal. He's the creator of all things, Jesus. The Father came up with the plan. Jesus carried out the plan. The Holy Spirit reveals the plan. They are the three who are one. But look at what he did. But he made himself of no reputation. This Greek word reputation means he emptied himself. It also means to be made of no effect. So what does that mean? He's the creator of all things. But in order to come to the earth, he didn't come as the creator of all things. He Although he was equal with God, he didn't think it robbery. This is the way he thought. I'm going to empty myself for a reason. So he laid down all of his godly attributes and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He was made exactly like us. He had a body, but it has to say likeness. He wasn't exactly like us because his body had no sin in it. But, I mean, could you imagine, here is Jesus. He is in the place of the greatest beauty. He is in the place where he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the creator of all things. He, I mean, everything about him 
is joy. He is the self-sufficient one. He doesn't need anything to make him happy. And yet, this is the way he thought. But my father has a plan for my life to redeem all mankind. So I'm willing to step out of glory and to be born in a manger and to live in this dirt body and to put up with these people that hate God and to eventually be beaten by them while all the time I, I'm being beaten on the planet that I created. But I, I, this, is my, this is my attitude. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to be beaten, to be mocked, to be spit on. I'm willing to die physically, but I'm also even willing to take on this thing that I hate, sin, to literally take upon myself spiritual death to where I will be separated from my father for the first time. I'm willing to do this. The Bible says you're to have that same attitude and I'm to have that same attitude. But here's what we do if we live in our flesh. Are, are you kidding? Go to church? Twi twice a week. Are, are you kidding? You mean, you mean, wait a minute. You mean I'm to put the word of God first in my life? Well, I don't have time for that. I've got to do this and I've got to do that and, and, and everything bumps God. Do you see how, how we miss it? God is saying, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. Be willing to give up all your comfort to do what God's called you to do. This is what Jesus did. It says here, he made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. He took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man. His manner of life was, is the life of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. I love the way this is written. He became obedient unto death, physical death, even the death of the cross spiritual death on that cross all of your sin and all of my sin all sickness and all disease all the weight of everything that came into this world as a result of Adam's sin was placed on Jesus body and it was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus Isaiah said to look at him he didn't even look human when all that was taking place he can't be even the death of the cross. This means that Jesus did not consider his equality with God something to hang on to. He was willing to take on flesh and die for us. This means that Jesus did not consider his equality with God something to hang on to at the expense of him following and carrying out the Father's plan of redeeming man. This shows us the attitude that we're to have. What is that attitude? A willingness that we are to have to offer or to sacrifice ourselves in the face of things that look better to us to fulfill the plan of God for our lives. Guys, what I just described to you is the doorway to life. Because the Bible says to find your life, you got to lose it. There is a giant world dominator in you and the Holy Spirit will bring it out of you. It's so awesome. You know, all you got to do is be willing and obedient. Jesus gave us an example on how to live. So now, now check out verse 9 through verse 11. It says, wherefore, because of what Jesus did, God also hath, past tense, highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every 
name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In the Greek, it would read, of things or beings in heaven, of things or beings in the earth, and things or beings under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is given a name above every name for the purpose that every name will bow to Jesus. Now that's awesome, but when you start to think about your life, what are some names of some things in your life right now? Every name of them has to bow. Debt has to bow to the name of Jesus. Sickness, disease, cancer, diabetes, right? Arthritis, you name it, AIDS. All of it has to bow. If it has a name, if it's a thing or a being, that kind of covers everything. Everything in heaven, everything on the earth, everything under the earth, that's everywhere. Isn't that amazing? And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. Wow. The name, what are we saying? The name of Jesus that we are going to talk about here is greater than anything that you will ever face. It's greater than anything in your life right now. It is greater than any stronghold in your unrenewed mind. It is greater than any sickness or weakness or infirmity in your flesh. It is greater than any lack or ability that brings poverty or lack in your life. It's greater than all of that. The early church, as you look at the early church, they were real big on using the name. But they never used it on people. They used it on, against things. They never used it against people. The name of Jesus conquers things. The name of Jesus is never to validate you. Get this completely out of your vocabulary. Do you know how many crazy things I've heard? Well, the Lord is just leading me to do this. And you're looking at this majorly offended person that you've watched for two years, right? You're, you're looking at them, and, and, and you could see the offense all over them, unforgiveness, they're a mess, and they're telling you God's leading them to do something. That's so sad. Pride blinds. The name of Jesus is not to validate you. Forget about validating you. Let God validate you. He'll do a great job. The name of Jesus is to change things. The name of Jesus is to change things in your life. The name of Jesus conquers, is above all, changes everything to come in line with his word. Now, I've got to read you something. I love this book. It's by E.W. Kenyon. It's called The Wonderful Name of Jesus. I named this series after this book. I would encourage you to get it. And on page 27, it says this. This statement has stuck with me. I can't tell you how many of these books I've bought because I wear them out. E.W. Kenyon, you read about two sentences and you got to stop and go, oh my gosh. Right? You finally give up and you stop highlighting. You know, when you... When, <laughs> When, when, you, when you first get the book, you decide, well, I'm just going to highlight the good stuff. And then you realize, you know, after a while, you're just like, nah, I, just, I can't do that because everything is ridiculous. But look at what this says. And here's the key. In the name of Jesus is Jesus. When you use the name of Jesus he is right there to do the work. So E.W. Kenyon says this, he is that name. And then I love this statement. It'll be hard for me to read this. All he was, all he did, all he is, and all that he ever will be is in that name now. 
He wrought the healing for us. He is healing for us now. He satisfied the claims of justice and became our righteousness. He is now our righteousness. He passed down through death and up into life, and he is our life now. Can you tell what's happening to people here? I can see it on your faces. God's really, he's impacting you. Isn't that good? He gave his life. He is that life he gave. He is healing. He is health. He is victory. He is our all in all. Isn't that amazing? That's what we're talking about here, guys. I love this. All he was, all he did, all he is, and all that he ever will be is in that name now. Wow. What are we saying? Jesus got back everything that's, that Satan stole from Adam. He got back everything. There's nothing he didn't get back. Luke chapter 4 in verse 6, because of time, I'm just going to read some of these. So you could, if you're taking notes, just write down the, the scriptures. This is in the temptation of Jesus. I want to show you this whole thing about when Adam and Eve sinned, they transferred this authority over to Satan. In Luke 4, 6, it says, And the devil said unto him, said unto Jesus, All this power, that is the Greek word authority, will I give you, and the glory of them, for that is delivered, that word delivered means that is transferred unto me. When was it transferred? When Adam sinned. Satan's going, all this power that was transferred to me and the glory that has to do with it, all of it, all of that has been transferred to me. And, and it says here, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. He was wanting Jesus to fall down and worship, and he says, I'll give you all this stuff. But Jesus is like, I'm not bowing, right? Because I got a plan, and you're in trouble. You just don't know it. You're too stupid to know it. In, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, where do we get this, well, Satan is the god of this world, small g. Well, we get in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, in whom the god, small g, of this world talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now this is what's really amazing and this is what you have to see. Satan is only able to blind the minds of people that don't believe. And you could say, well, that's just talking about people that don't know God. No, no, I know a lot of Christians that have made a choice that they believe their feelings and their emotions so much more than the word of God and, and literally what happens is their, their mind's blinded and it builds a stronghold. Who builds it? Satan doesn't build it, they build it because they're saying they can't have what God says they've already, that he's already given them. This is why we need each other because if, you're, if you hang out with certain people, you'll never have to deal with that. Right, Because the 25th time when you want to meet with Pastor Edwin and tell him all about it, he's going to look at you and go, no, we're not going to talk about that anymore. We're going to talk about what Jesus has, has provided for you. This is usually when people don't want to talk to you anymore. But people who want to be free want to talk to you then. And I'm telling you, there's freedom for everybody. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Wow. Remember, never forget this. The thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes to give life. All the destruction, pain, and evil that is in the world today is because man has a free will, and he chose wrong. Isn't that, I mean, I love that because now all I got to do, I could choose right and change everything. It's never too late. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, 
It says, he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You use the name of Jesus now to destroy the works of the devil. I love that. Your past will never bother your future again. You could, you could, just, you could just tear that rearview mirror off your faith mobile. You don't need it. You just fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 2.14 says this. Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Let's read that another accurate way. He also himself likewise took part of the same, that through spiritual death he might destroy him that had the power of spiritual death, that is the devil. Jesus, Jesus came to destroy that. His name destroys that. This is why, for a believer, you can't say, I can't. You can't say, I'm not good enough. This is why the enemy will yell and scream and do everything. He'll wear you out physically so that you never read the word because, if you, because the word is the lamp to your feet and it's a light to your path. The only way you can see the path of God for your life is if you put the word first. Yeah, but you don't understand. I'm working 80, 90 hours a week. We had a guy here that was a resident doctor at the med center. He would come to me, he goes, oh man, they got me working like, I mean a million, I'm like 80, 100 hours a week. When he'd come to church, he'd just sit there. You could just see it on him, just like, oh. But you know, even in that, the Holy Spirit could teach him how to put God first so that he can continue to grow. In the natural, you could think, well, there's just no way. No, 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 no. See, God has a way when you're super busy. He can compact things to where in one little pill of the word of God, one little verse can literally fill you up to overflowing for a month. It's amazing. It's all about a heart attitude. I'm going to put God first. Acts 10.38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, even with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. How did he do that? For God was with him. Guess what? That scripture is not just for Jesus because in the same way God the Father called Jesus, Jesus is calling us. So you can walk around saying how God anointed me with the Holy Ghost, even with power, and I go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God's with me. Amen. How is God with you? I have his name. And whenever I say in the name of Jesus, his power, his presence, his ability is right there as if he's there in the flesh. I love it. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It's amazing. So while he was on the earth, now, and we're not going to get very far with this, but I just want to build a case. We're going to see Jesus' earthly ministry. So turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 1. This is where Jesus now sent out the 12 disciples. Jesus had authority in the earth. In his earthly ministry, he even said that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sin. He said, with the man that was born by four, he said, rise up and walk. Right? He, he gave these 12 disciples, the Greek word is excusia, delegated authority in his name. And here, these not born again believers before the cross went out and they had authority and they used the name of Jesus. Look at nine, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It says, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. This is the Greek word excusia. Delegated authority over all devils and to cure diseases. 
Isn't that amazing? Even before he went to the cross, he had this authority as the Messiah. And he, in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, this is talking about the same one. It, it gives a bigger picture of it. In, in Matthew 10, 1, it says, And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, always know this, God will call you to himself before he ever sends you out. Because when you go out, it's all about relationship. Because you never go out alone. You can't fail unless you decide to, right? And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. Now this, this word power is excusia. He gave them delegated authority against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. And it says, I love this, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, so he does that to the 12. Later, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. So now he sent the 12 out. They came back. It was cool. Now he's sending 70 others out two by two. These things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. So 35 sets of two, he sent them to 35 different places. That he was going to go to. He said, And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. Isn't that amazing that, that these seventy, when they encountered through experience, they're like, Well, wait a minute. We know that God is no respecter of persons. The 12 got to heal the sick and cast out demons. Jesus, so let's, let's, even the demons are subject to us. Look at what it says here. Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, this is a picture of the partial power that Jesus carried in his earthly ministry. That's that boy, that tilts you right there. All that religious thinking. What do you mean, Pastor? You're saying Jesus only had partial power? Yep. Because he didn't say he had all authority until he came out of the grave. Jesus carried partial power during his earthly ministry, and these guys found out the extent of their delegated authority through experience. Verse 19 says this of, of chapter 10 of Luke Behold, I give unto you power. Excusia, which means delegated authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I wonder if that worked then, if we have more even than that. So I'm telling you today, you have power. You have delegated authority in the name of Jesus over every principality, power, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. You have delegated authority over all of them in the name of Jesus. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. The value of our authority rests on the power that is behind that authority. God himself is the power behind the authority he's given. The believer who understands that the power of God is backing him can exercise his authority and he can face the enemy fearlessly. See, there is no fear in us. Now I'll close with these few scriptures here. It says in Matthew 28, 18, this is after Jesus came out of the grave. I want to give you a picture now. He had authority in the earth. Amazing authority. He went about doing good, healing all that was oppressed of the devil. John said the books of the earth at that time could not hold everything he did. But in Matthew 28, 18, this is a new day now. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, this is after his resurrection. He said, all power, all excusia, 
All delegated authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, we won't get into it for time's sake, but right after that, he says, now you go in my name. Jesus has given all the authority that Adam lost. This is a new day. Now, Jesus has the keys of death and hell. Isn't that awesome? When Jesus ascended into heaven, he transferred his authority to the church, his body. Jesus' authority has to be perpetuated through his body on the earth. The source of our authority as New Testament believers is in the resurrection and exalting of Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus got all the authority back so that you and I would walk in this earth with authority. I got to tell you, the days of you being beaten down are over. The days of you worrying about stuff is over. Isn't that exciting? We've only preached a cross doctrine. And oh, we look to the cross. But it is time that we preach a throne doctrine. Because we're seated. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've been given all authority in the name of Jesus. This is why we never fear and we're a world overcomer. Amen.